Hey everybody, welcome back to the H&H Hour. We're so glad that you've joined us, that you've clicked on that link and that you're giving us your hour. My name is Heather Taves and I'm one of the co-hosts and I'm with my beautiful sister Heidi, who is our other co-host, Heidi Bolt. Heidi Bolt. We were at the park yesterday, Heather. Yes. And a little neighbor boy who we hadn't met at our park yet was introducing himself to my son. And he said, what's your name? And Crosley said, my name is Crosley Voss Bolt. And he looked at him and he goes, that sounds like a superhero name. Kind of does. Yeah. I think it was like the Bolt, you know, like the little dog in Disney. Oh, yeah. Bolt, the Bolt. lightning dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we get that a lot. The the Bolt name. I like it. So, Superheroes. Yeah. Superheroes. Superheroes for Jesus. That's right. <laughs> Raising warriors. You good, Heath? Yes, I'm yeah. great. Okay, so um, today we have an awesome guest on the show. I'm very excited about this And guest. so this is what's exciting about this guest is um, we get a lot of good feedback when we have male guests. We do. Um, and I think it's – I love that. I love that our listeners love to hear the wisdom from guys mm-hmm. um, because I think sometimes um, men don't get – maybe as much of a platform mm-hmm. on a consistent basis right? to kind of just share in an open forum right. about what God's doing in their life. I agree. And so um, this is a husband of a, of a woman that's been a guest. Mm-hmm. And the feedback from this woman was so outstanding. And we've had people ask to mm-hmm. hear from, we want to hear from his her side husband. of the story. Yes. yes. So I would love to welcome to the show, Daniel Brooker. Hi, Daniel. Well, hey guys, good to be here. And uh, by the way, no pressure uh, falling up behind my wife. I mean, wow. Right? <laughs> uh, excited to be here, though. Thank you all for having me. We're excited to have you, Daniel. We, um, Your wife, Brittany's episode impacted so many people, and the outpouring was just unbelievable. Um, and actually, she is our number one most listened to show. She is. For all time. Yep. So truly, wow. no pressure at all. Yeah, none at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good to know going into this. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. <laughs> You're what we just wanted to give you that encouragement. You know, uh, I, thank you for that. <laughs> okay, Daniel. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, apparently I'm the husband of the number one listened to uh, guest on your show. <laughs> yeah, uh, my name is Daniel. I'm married to an amazing woman named Brittany, amazing, talented, beautiful. And uh, I'm the father of five kids, four boys and a girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, the oldest, and I, I think I'm getting this right, I think the oldest is eight, is changing all the time. And the youngest is three. So you've got, yes, uh, somewhere between eight and three, you've got five kids. And uh, so they are my hobby, my job, my spare time, my full time, and uh, and really everything in between. So um, I'm excited for this season. I mean, there is no time to be tired. Uh, even though we are, you just not, you're not allowed that convenience. It's just wide open from... From really, I would say, oh my word, before the sun's up until well after the sun's down, obviously. And yeah. so we are, we're trying to figure out how to keep everything balanced and uh, and moving. But what a it's just an incredible season right now. We're soaking it in and really learning every day. I would say. So five kids, eight and under, that is so busy. I'm sure in your household all the time. All the time. Yes. I mean, I've got one that likes to wake up early with me. And I've got about four of them that like to stay up late, like me too. So, <laughs> so they all get a they get a part of the day for sure. But yes, it's super busy. And uh, but I will say this: I mean, uh, there's a lot going on. But 
I give all the credit uh, and all the awe to, to my wife, Brittany. I mean, she's the one that's, that's making things run. She's the organized one. Uh, she makes things, you know, flow smoothly. I just kind of show up and bring the party and, uh, and help the kids tear the house up. So that's my, that's my gift right now. I love it. That's awesome. And that is such a great lead into our next question because recently Heidi and I have realized that we don't have enough fun in our lives. You know, we're just, we're very like productive people and, you know, we're full-time ministry and mom life. And we were like, we need more fun in our life. So we start asking all of our guests, what is the most fun that you've had recently? Wow. Um, there's always something happening. I mean, every day it feels like something new. I know that uh, this was so two days ago uh, in the back of our yard, we've got this hill and, you know, it's it's not that big of a hill, but to a kid, you know, this three or four or five, this is a mountain. <laughs> and so the way it's set up is you know, there's trees and all that in there, but there's a lot of ivy covering uh, the hill. And so the kids have decided to figure this out. I'm so proud as a dad, uh, <laughs> uh, especially coming from the country where you just made your toys. Like, mm. you know, I, I can't tell you how old I am, but I'm old enough to know that I made my own toys. And I didn't play them inside and it wasn't video games or anything. Just yeah. being outside. And yeah. So I always encourage that. My kids like, be creative, go get dirty, like all those wonderful things. And so they took these uh, little plastic pools, you know, like the ones that like toddlers get in there, yeah. you know, like a foot of water, that kind of thing, maybe four <laughs> feet wide. So we had a couple of those in the backyard. I don't know where they came from, but I know they've been back there. So they figured out that if they get to the top of the hill, and I'm telling you, all five of these kids get in the little pool, little plastic pool, and they slide down the hill from the top to the bottom. They turn into a slip and slide by getting in this plastic pool. And so uh, I've watched them do it for the last couple of days. <laughs> and and on in two days ago, I decided it was too much fun not to not to join in. So I climbed in. <laughs> I've got kids all over me, left, right, you know, elbows, knees, everywhere. And we went flying down that hill. And I don't know if they'll remember it, but I will always remember okay. uh, that afternoon. So that was that was my dad's fun for the day. That is so awesome. And I actually saw this on Instagram. Okay. And it looked like a blast. It made me want to go out and get a little pool and put it on my hill and slide down. <laughs> it was so much fun. I, I just thought like, I can't, I can't miss out on it. So I think that, you know, it's one thing to, to watch your kids and encourage them and you can't always get in on what they're doing. Uh, but that was one thing I said, I want to, I want to do with them and, and just make them feel, feel like it's a big deal because it kind of, it kind of is. That's awesome. Um, so yeah. I was pumped to get a, get to be a part of that, that moment. You know, I think they will remember it. One of my best memories as a kid, it, and I was pretty, I was probably six or seven, is my dad taking us out on a sled late at night. It was dark and it had snowed and he pulled us through the streets. We were in our pajamas, put our coats on and he pulled us on a sled through the streets of our town. Wow. And I'll never forget that. And it was so simple, but I, you know, I think this is something your kids will definitely remember. Awesome. Well, if, if Instagram's still around uh, as they get older, we'll have to... I'll have to pull that back up to refresh it just in case. <laughs> For no sure. kidding. So fun. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Daniel, we, um, like I said, we talked to Brittany, your sweet wife, and she shared her really tender story of losing her first husband, Patrick. And we know that you've had to walk through kind of a similar season with your first wife. And so um, I actually don't know a ton of the details about your, your, your sweet first wife, but I would love for you to just kind of walk our listeners through your side of your story with your wife and illness and what that looked like for you and for your wife. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's been something obviously that shaped my life, uh, and my faith. And it's something that's really, uh, set the stage for what, what God has been speaking into my life. Um, but man, yes. So the, 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 really the story started, um, back in summer camp, I was 15 years old, uh, homeschooled kid, didn't know, you know, who I was insecure. I was, you know, shy, you know, some of the, some of the things that, you know, they just were like, just born into me. I was like, Oh no, I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm not the leader, but I'm not the follower. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where I'm, where I am. I'm the middle of eight kids, you know, but I didn't win any spelling bees. So I feel like I didn't really succeed as a homeschooler. So I was like, where's my place in this world? You know, no spelling bees, but still, yeah, getting decent grades. And so, so I go into, I go into summer camp one year trying to figure all this out. And it must have been, oh my goodness, it must have been probably the second day of this summer camp. Um, I noticed this girl and you know, that's how all, all stories start and noticed this girl. And the thing I noticed about her, uh, was that she was kind of the life of the party. Like everybody wanted to be around her. Uh, she was, she was kind of bringing out the best in everyone. Everyone was laughing and smiling and you could tell that people felt better about themselves that they were, you know, happier around her. And I, I just noticed that. And so, Against everything that was in my DNA, I went up and introduced myself to her. And um, I don't know what I said, but apparently it's something I'll never forget and something she never remembered. I mean, it was that it was that impactful. She said, Daniel, I had no idea you know, what was going on with that. I don't remember meeting you. But, but I met this girl, and her name was Lindsay. And so I was 15. She was 13. I'm like, wow. And so all of this was kind of like, uh, it was, for me at least, love at first sight. And so I was trying to figure out how can I, how can I get to the point where she notices me too? <laughs> and so six or seven years later, <laughs> I finally, I finally got her to pay attention to me. So it was summer camp. We got to meet each other. Uh, our families got to know each other, um, pretty quickly, but we lived about four hours apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so back then, you know, so I'm, what am I, 34 right now? I think I'm 34. <laughs> and back then it was, it was AOL Instant Messenger. That was the that was yes. the way to, to connect, right? Yes. Yeah. So so definitely use that to uh, to stay in touch. You know, phone calls, all that stuff. And when I got my driver's license, like it was a whole new game. I could drive, see her, hmm. uh, and this long process from fifteen until probably nineteen or so. Um, you know, homeschoolers move slow. We're really, you know, we really take our time with decisions, you know, fear commitment. I don't know. And so got to the point where we, uh, we, we figured out we were definitely, uh, in love and, and we're going to, you know, see where this took us and where God was leading it. And I had in my mind the whole time, I'm going to marry this girl and I knew it. Aww. And it took me a little while to convince her, but, uh, but she fell in love too, thankfully. And we started this whole journey of, of working towards marriage and dating and, and all of that long distance. And so things were going phenomenally well, doing great. And at 19, out of really nowhere, um, and it completely shocked us, but she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm. Um, nothing that ran in her family. It just, it just kind of like just caught us completely off guard. Uh, and we didn't really know what to do with it. I was 21. She was 19. Um, but it was kind of the situation where it was, it was cancer, but they caught it early enough to where they did a, you know, kind of a quick surgery. Um, they didn't need to do chemo. Um, they kind of said, Hey, we got it. 
you are 100% good to go. Uh, go enjoy your life. Like, things are fine. Come back for a checkup every now and then. Otherwise, you're good. Mm. And so we kind of just carried on like, wow, that was scary. But, you know, thank God we're fine. Let's keep on going towards this, um, you know, marriage that we're working towards. And, uh, and again, moving very slowly, two years later, uh, when she was 21, I was 23. Uh, I went and bought an engagement ring, had it in my pocket type deal. And was going to ask her, you know, on that upcoming weekend. Well, uh, the week of, you know, when I had planned to, you know, ask her to marry me, uh, the cancer showed again or was discovered again mm-hmm. and, at a regular doctor appointment. And so what happened this time, it was, it was much more serious. Um, cancer spread um, quickly and was just kind of, kind of, it was a big deal. And so it was a rush surgery. Um, and they went in the surgery not knowing what they would find. And came out of the surgery. They basically said, whatever, you know, wherever we find this cancer, we've got to get it out. You know, whatever, whatever we need to take, we need to do that and, uh, to save your life. And so went in the surgery, not knowing what that would involve. And, uh, and so came out and Lindsay was also, uh, from a big family. She was actually the oldest of nine kids. Wow. And so family is a big deal to us. And I knew in her mind and in mine, uh, the question was, you know, is she going to be okay? And will she be able to have children? Mm-hmm. I mean, those were t- the first two questions. And uh, as soon as she came out of the surgery, I'll, I'll never forget it. That was the first thing she asked the doctor mm-hmm. is, can I still have kids? And, uh, and the doctor said, no. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to do a, you know, a full hysterectomy. Um, and they said, we've got to get you started on chemo as soon as you recover from this surgery. And you know, your dream and your idea of family is, is gone. Wow. And, uh, and so as a 23 year old and, and her being 21, uh, we were just faced with a absolute slap in the face, mm-hmm. uh, and a disrupted plan and a dream. And so I remember holding it together for her and trying to comfort her until she fell asleep. And then just going out in the hallway in the hospital and just, just dealing with it, crying my face off mm-hmm. and God, you know, this is, this is not the plan. So I've pursued this girl a long time. We had a, a perfect plan laid out. You know, and this is not part of it. So what in the world is going on? Wow. And so got to the place where we knew as soon as she recovered from surgery that um, she would go into seven months of chemo. Mm. And and what had happened, it was scary, but it didn't scare us away from each other. And so the weekend before, a few days before she started chemo, I asked her to marry me. And I said, you know, whatever's to come, I'm, I'm, we're in this together. I mean, this is this is who you you're who God has called me to, and I and I and I have no hesitation. So we got engaged, and so seven months of that engagement were chemo, and then she recovered from that for about five months, so a year engagement, mm-hmm. and we got married. And mm-hmm. so the doctors were like, hey, it, this was scary, this was rough, um, but we've done the chemo, we've done the surgery, it's gone cancer's gone. You guys go enjoy your life. Come back. Let's get checkups. Um, but go, go enjoy. And so we did, we, we had a new house, we had a little dog and we're like, all right, now this, this is, you know, we're going to start things over. And so quickly within the first year, we started talking about adoption and adoption became a big, big focus. And by our second, uh, anniversary, we had, we had adopted a little boy. We had, we had found a little boy. He was seven months old. Uh, he needed to be loved and cared for, and we were we were all in. And so we brought him home a few days after our second anniversary. Wow. And then eight months later, uh, we brought home a little girl. 
uh, newborn from the hospital. So Ethan was our seven-month-old answer to prayer, and Aubrey was our newborn. Wow. And uh, and so in a, in a very roundabout, scary way, we kind of had our dream back. And we didn't really say it out loud, but we're like, you know what? We kind of always wanted the two kids, the dog, white picket fence, you know, kind of our dream. And it was super scary getting here, but we got it. Wow. And thank you, Jesus, like you've answered this prayer. Like we've got what we had prayed for. And it just looked different than what we expected. And so we kind of just went into like, let's just enjoy this and did that um, for a couple of years. And then really out of nowhere again, uh, cancer showed back up. Mm. And it was scary because now we have a family. You know, yeah. it's not just me and Lindsay. It's two small kids that, that are counting on us. Yeah. And, um, and it's just a whole nother battle. And so uh, we entered that battle as, as bravely as we could. Lindsay was an absolute just uh, unbelievably strong, unbelievably trusting in God. And, and, and don't get me wrong, she was scared. I mean, this, she, was a, she was a real person who, who was struggling with that. But, but she just said, you know what, let's, this is our story. Let's, let's live it. Let's go. And so fought it as bravely as possible. But over the course of really the next year, uh, it progressively uh, got it just got worse wow. to the point where she found herself in the you know, she was in the hospital more and you know more treatments but every treatment or every visit just further confirmed that it would not be the doctors who could fix her it would have to be God wow. and it would have to be a miracle and so we had those conversations uh, that you never ever want to hear and it was doctors saying there is nothing else we can do. Wow. Uh, we've done everything we know how, and it's it's in God's hands now. And uh, that's those are the hard conversations. It's kind of like you know, as a Christian, you know, I became a believer at a very early age. But it's in those moments where you realize that God is ultimately in control, and there's no denying it. You right. can't dance around it. There's nothing I could do other than pray for my wife. Uh, there's no medicine I can give her, or anything like that. And so. Uh, we just entered that that season of God, uh, and I, I boldly and completely play, prayed for a miracle. It's like, wow. God, I know you can do this. Yeah. Can you heal my wife? Yeah. Can you do something about this? Um, I said, I don't know what your plan is, but can you can you accommodate a little bit? Can you can you give me some hmm. give me some slack on this and, and help my wife be okay? And uh, and as the days went by. Uh, she got weaker and a lot of things were happening and ultimately it got to the point where um, they sent us home and um, I was aware of what was going on but sometimes you're so close to something that you can't really see what's going on right and as serious I knew it was serious I knew it was bad um, but I found my place myself in a place of just being so zoomed in I didn't didn't take a step back to see how how close things were uh, and so uh they sent us home and uh, really by that night within hours of getting home uh, I was fighting for my wife's life wow. uh, very literally mm. and that meant um, that meant CPR mm. it meant ambulance rides and um, and it meant uh, me and uh, me and some of my closest family um, in, a, in the ER waiting room, literally on our knees, crying out to God. Wow. Said, God, this is not how it's supposed to go. Uh-uh, not this way. Mm-hmm. And uh, got to the point where the, the doctors came and said, hey, there's there's nothing we, nothing else we can do. Mm-hmm. 
and I told him, just like I always told every doctor, get in there and fight for it. Do not quit on my life. I don't give up, and I don't want you to either. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so the doctors went back in and continued to, to work and fight for her life. And probably, uh, timelines are sketchy, but 30, 45 minutes into this process, the doctor runs back into this ER waiting room and says, Daniel, your wife's back. Get in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember running down that hallway and, uh, and run into the room where she was and, and all this stuff's happening. All these monitors hooked up and, and she's, she's back in, in the sense of, uh, you know, where, where she didn't have RV, she did now. And I knew when I walked in the room, when you're, when you're linked to somebody's souls or something, you just know about a person mm-hmm. and about what's going on. And, and I knew that she was back, but she wasn't back for long. And I, I knew I had a, enough time just to tell her the things I'd been too scared to tell her. And so I was able to take those few moments to literally just have uh, a moment to tell her thank you for what she had done, how well and how bravely she had fought for her family and how well she had loved those around her through her sickness and, uh, and told her, I said, I don't know how, but don't worry about the kids. Hmm. Um, I'll figure out a way to take care of them, but you don't have to fight anymore. It's okay. Hmm. And as I told her, I loved her. It was not, you know, I'd never been that close to death, but I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. But all I know is that it wasn't my wife leaving and going to heaven. It was literally heaven coming down to get her and to carry her back. And the presence of God in that moment, it was the, it was the single most devastating yet, uh, just, uh, incredible moment though the weight of and the presence of heaven was so thick in that room it really the only way i can even come close to describing that moment was complete devastation complete brokenness but the comfort of a father's hand on your shoulder uh, that communicates something that says it's it's going to be okay it doesn't make sense but it's going to be okay and all i could do in my in my just brokenness was lift my hands and worship and say, God, I don't, I don't like this. I don't get this, but I trust you for some, some, I know that you're in control mm-hmm. and I can trust you through this and, uh, end up leaving the hospital that night, not knowing what was up and down, but knowing that all I had was Jesus. All I had was, is him. Mm-hmm. And, and all I could do is, it, I don't, that's the most of my faith has ever been tested. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as a Christian, sometimes you, it's out of it's okay to be uh it's easy to believe in god sometimes it's convenient to believe in god sometimes it's very hard i mean you're tested to the max and Mm -hmm. and in that moment of complete testing uh i was further confirmed in my faith and not just the existence of god but in the comfort and the presence and the love of god that surrounds us in our most broken moments uh and that that moment has carried me through so many things uh, since then, and so, so that was that was my journey through uh, falling in love, mm. uh, marriage, you know, raising a family, and coming to a place of saying, "God, I have no idea what's the next step. I have no idea what tomorrow holds." But I'm completely broken wow. right now. Wow! Wow! Um, so Lindsay was 26. Is that correct? Uh, 20, so 28, 28. Okay. So how long, yeah. how long were you guys married? Uh, so I said, I'm a horrible date. So, uh, we're married when she was, um, 
2009, and she died in 2015. Wow. So six years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was, um, I jumped on your Instagram um, just to kind of see your story, and Daniel, she's stunning. Mm. Such a beautiful, beautiful spirit. And you're right. People are just, people were just drawn to her, weren't they? Just her joy and her smile. And I could, not even knowing her, I could sense the fact that people loved her and that she loved people so well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the one thing that stood out about her. One, one thing that actually encouraged me was, as I was actually, uh, you know, I was kind of bland. I was vanilla in, in the way I treated people. I, you know, I liked people, obviously, but didn't know how to bring up the best. And I learned a lot from her in caring about others, being outwardly focused. And bringing out the best, you know, people, you know, what's that, what's that quote? You know, people don't always remember what you say or what you do, but they do remember how you make them feel. Mm, Yeah. She had the ability, even in her sickness, and just as an example, uh, I I remember doctors coming in to check on her, even the final weeks. And she would ask them, Hey, how's your day going? And she'd actually mean it. Mm. And I saw several of these seasoned doctors break down crying. Because they said, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years and I've never had a patient ask me how my day was going. It's always fix me, do this. Yeah. And and just kind of her pouring out to others, even in her, uh, you know, situation, uh, it was just one of the ways that she was able to love others and, and encourage them that inspired me. That's so cool. I love that our Lord is so gracious to us to allow us to go through things that are hard and painful, but through them they impact us so deeply. You know, the way the impact that she had on you and this, the the way that her strengths were able to um, help you become the man that you are today for your family now today. I just love that the Lord allows us to go through things even though they're hard because it's for our good too. Absolutely. Well, and I think for you to know, Daniel, um, you know, her life is still impacting people because as someone who... I myself love people and I love to notice people. As I was looking at her photos, I just, I personally felt encouraged by the way she loved, by the way she took a hard situation of not getting to have children and choosing to adopt them. And then truly looking at the way she loved your children, you would not know that she did not physically birth them. Um, Just so impactful to see her Christ-like love for her children, for you, for people around her. And so I think to encourage you as her husband, you you clearly were loving her really well in order wow. for her to be able to love others that well also. So well done. Mm, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. Okay, so talk to us a little bit, Daniel, about what the season was like having to raise your kids without your wife. Complete chaos. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was, I'm not the organized one. I'm not the planner. Uh, I don't check calendars. I just apologize when I miss things. And, and so that was, that was me. I was, um, trying to figure out, you know, not only am I naturally disorganized, but I was extremely forgetful. Something about there's a fog that comes with grief. Yeah. And one of the first things to go is your memory or your ability to keep things organized in your mind. So I was so scattered, felt like ADD or something like that, mm. where nothing, I couldn't keep a focused thought. And so my saving grace was the, the, or the people around me. Um, so my family, uh, extended family, uh, the people that 
loved me, loved the kids, loved Lindsay, and so they knew that about me. They knew that there was no chance I was doing this on my own. Mm-hmm. And so out of honor and love for Lindsay, um, out of love for the kids, and um, and just knowing that, that God had given them an opportunity to help in some way, uh, they just poured out their love and sacrificially. I mean, I'm talking about making huge sacrifices just to make sure that kids were able to get to school, the kids had their projects done in very real practical ways and also listening to me talk and, and process what I was going through. Um, I could not have done it without those people in my life and uh, forever grateful uh, that they were there in the toughest seasons of fighting for Lindsay's life, but also stood with me in the aftermath. How did your children respond and how did you walk through that with them? Uh, Aubrey realized what was going on more so than even Ethan. Um, Aubrey, uh, and again, I, if I get these dates or numbers a little bit off, it's just because that's me. That's okay. Um, but they were, I think they were almost four uh, and uh, and five, I believe, was the actual ages. Wow. So, so they were, and Aubrey was the younger, but she was very, very, and both of them were obviously very close to Lindsay, but the, the, the mother-daughter bond was very special. And so she looked to me um, for comfort. I, I remember her asking about Lindsay uh, for really over a year after. Every day she would mention her name, but say something about her, reference her some way. Um, but it was definitely a lot of weight to walk her through it. Ethan processed it differently um, because of, just very candidly, because of what he experienced even before adoption, mm-hmm. um, neglect, and a lot of things that he dealt with. Uh, he didn't process it the same way, yeah. um, and he was more quiet and, and closed down, uh, shut down about that. So it meant talking to him. And if you if you think you understand heaven or if you understand death and life, try explaining that to a four year old and oh, a yeah. five year old, and you realize, whoa, I really don't, I really don't have all the answers. But it forced me to think through and explain things at such a simple level. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually, I got it too. It helped me process what was going on by explaining it to my children. So they didn't allow me to run from it. I was confronted with the reality every single day. And so it looked like them, uh, yeah, not sleeping well at night. Uh, it looked like them um, just showing out sometimes, just being yeah. honest. And yeah. um, and then I had to guard against them using that as a manipulation. Mm. Um, you know, they're incredible kids. But even the best kids will realize if they get attention for you know something, they'll maybe start turning that. And I mm-hmm. think maybe even adults do that. Yeah. Uh, and so it was guarding their hearts against be- becoming uh, using that as a tool to get attention um, and letting them grieve in a, in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And really figuring out there's so many things I did wrong, honestly. But there's also some things I did right. And I think the only thing I did really good was just be there for them yeah. and let them work through it and let them see me crying too. Mm-hmm. Um, not to drag them down, but to let them know I hurt too. And it was okay for them to show that. You know, Daniel, that's one thing I hear adults say a lot when they talk about extreme grief, especially parents. They say, you know, I'm just trying to be strong for my kids. I can't let them see me cry. I can't let them see me be broken. I just have to be there for them. What would you say to those people who feel like they have to keep that kind of that facade um, in front of their kids about grief? I I would say that, your kids are watching you and if you if they see you and kids are very observant probably more so than 
than adults. Mm-hmm. And if they see you covering up your emotions or hiding from your reality, they're going to learn that too. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're okay with your children running from the reality, uh, saying it's okay when it's not, um, asking if you, you're okay with them saying nothing to every question you ask, uh, or I'm okay, then, then keep doing that. But if you want them to be able to process what they're experiencing, um, and actually grow from it, you got to give them a good example. And so it doesn't mean you have to do everything right, but you do have to be real and honest with them at at an appropriate level. Um, And so that's what I accidentally got right, was just Hmm. hurting in front of them and and, and being able to give them honest answers that I think hopefully set the stage for them to tell me when they were having a bad day and feel open and comfortable to cry in front of me. Hmm. That's really good. Well, thank you for sharing that very beautiful yet so difficult part of your life. Yeah. I know that um, that's not where it ends. Your story continues. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what happened um, after losing Lindsay and meeting Brittany. Tell us about that. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. A huge. Oh, man. What a huge uh, shift in the seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say if there's one thing that really connected uh, or transitioned me from the deep grief to falling head over heels in love again, that sounds like such a contrast, you know, mm-hmm. grieving, uh, comforting kids who are crying to falling madly in love. That's, that's a huge shift. And so yeah. the one, the, the bridge between that was, was really one simple uh, moment. And that was to the place where I, I was, I was absolutely broken. And I realized that I had to be honest with God because one, he knew what I was thinking and feeling. And so why try to even hide that? Mm-hmm. And I had to, and they actually to get through, I said, God, I have to like, I have to ask these questions. And I got to the place. I remember one night just riding in my car. And isn't that where like the most like, like communication happens? Like that's where I jam yep. out the music. Yep. That's where I talk to God. That's mm-hmm. where like all these things, just these moments, interactions seem to for me to happen in the car. So maybe that's, yeah, it sounds like true for you guys too. Yep. And I remember I riding home, been a crazy week, um, a lot of emotions. And I was like, God, you know, why? And, and I think we all asked that at some point. And I just found myself crying out to God, why is this my story? Why, why do I have to be a you know, widower? Why do I have to explain this to my kids? Why did my wife get healed? All these just raw questions hmm. and I wanted God to answer I, I, I just said God I need to hear from you and the answer I got was not to my why but I found myself as I cried out I mean verbally just yelled out God why and the next words that came up off my lips were what hmm. and I didn't even realize I'd said it till I'd said it but my hmm. question turned from why until God what do I do with this I know this is my story I know there's nothing I can change about what I've experienced but what do I do with it? I, I, I don't know what to do with this. And and God brought to, brought to me the verse. And by the way, if you're if you're not in God's word before you go through trials, it's going to be hard to recall something you didn't even read in the first place. Yeah, and and so for me, that was a challenge. That the 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 passages in the scripture and the verses that I read when things were fine, they came to me in those tough moments. And one of the passages that came to me was talking about where. Where God says He comforts, He comforts you in your pain, and then He then I'm really paraphrasing this, but then He asks you to comfort others in the way that He's comforted you. Mm. And I found the only comfort I had 
uh, in this was God. I could go to him with my, my just my cries out to God. I could, I could go to my frustrations and grief, and I did find comfort, and I found God's presence in that brokenness. And so really through God's word, he challenged me uh, to, to comfort others the same way he comforted me. Just be there. Be present. Uh, just like his, his fatherly hand on my shoulder in that, in that ER room, mm. you know, in the worst moments, that just presence was the same thing that he was calling me to do for others. Because what I'd seen is in my, in my grief, tons of people surrounded me, but there really wasn't any guys that stepped in and said, hey, you know what? I've lost my wife. I know how bad it feels. Let me walk you through this. Let me walk with you. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of I kind of had a grudge a little bit against someone I didn't even know. I said, mm-hmm. well, I don't know who it is, but I know there's someone out there that's been through this, this, you know, under the age of 80. And <laughs> and they're just, you know, I, I don't know if anyone's coming to me in that way. And that kind of just it bothered me. Yeah. And so God, you know, through his, you know, his wonderful way of speaking to me, your heart, Hmm. challenge me to be that for someone else. And so I kind of just silently agree with God. I'll do that. Yes. I'll, here's what I'll do. Here's my, what I'll comfort others the way you've comforted me. And without announcing anything, people started flooding my inbox with, with opportunities of guys who had lost their wife or people who were in grief that needed someone to walk with them and didn't have all the answers, but I knew that I can do that. Hmm. And so I started saying yes to those opportunities to saying yes to, to my what, and, and that was helping others and comforting them. Mm-hmm. And through this journey, I found healing myself. And so as this year, year and a half progressed, um, there was an opportunity to help a guy who had lost his wife to cancer, had small kids, same, same type of situation. Mm-hmm. And this person happened to be family friends with Brittany. Mm-hmm. And so through trying to help him and trying to you know, speak in his life and comfort him, I met Brittany and... Mm-hmm. All I can say is that the the fog lifted, um, <laughs> and it was it was just unbelievable how how much attraction was there. Not just not just because of what we had gone through, but what was so attractive about Brittany was that she was going the same place that I was trying to go. <laughs> and so a lot of people get hurt. A lot of people are broken or have grief. That should always connect you. It gives you common ground, yeah. but it doesn't mean you have to fall in love with them and marry them. I mean, that's <laughs> not, you know, that's not the requirement for marriage. Oh, you've done that too. Your favorite color is blue. Mine too. Let's get married. It's, <laughs> no, it's it's where are you going? Yeah. And I, and I saw how well she was handling her story. Then um, she wrote really in the same time. So Lindsay and and Brittany's late husband Patrick passed away within I think thirty days of each other. Wow. So we both entered the season at almost the same time. And yet she was handling it so beautifully, so real, so beautifully that I, I had to know more about her. And so one long conversa- conversation turned into another and another. And I said, I, I just got to put my cards on the table. I want to meet you. Like, I, I need to, like, I need to know who you are. And you're just this amazing person. Let's just see where this goes and see what God has. And it was scary mm. because she had three boys. I had two, had a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. And so you're not making the decision just for yourself, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the clarity in which God spoke to us. And I, I don't want to like use God as a, as a, as a cop out or, Hey, God told me something to do this, but God spoke so clearly into our relationship mm-hmm. that I had a boldness. I, I really had never had before. I mentioned that you mean Lindsay and, and I is a long drawn out process. And mm-hmm. it was a lot because I was young and long distance but it's also because 
uh, you know, it just it was a different season. And in wow. this season, it moved quickly, yeah. very quickly. And so we just said, hey, if God is in this, let's pursue it full full on. And we did. And uh, and so very quickly we moved from who are you to can I can I join you in this journey? Can I can I partner with you? Can I fall in love with you? I didn't really have a choice. I'd already had it already happened. Oh. And so we we just quickly fell in love and said, Hey, how do we even do this? Um, and started seeking tons of counsel on what that would look like in a blended family type situation and remarriage. And uh, we just tried to figure it out on the fly, honestly. Wow. I know Brittany shared with us in her podcast that she said one thing that you guys are cautious about is not comparing God's gifts, meaning you've had two wives and, you know, she's been married and now she's remarried. And I thought that was so wise for someone that you guys have had to walk through so much at a young age of a lot of suffering and grief that many people don't either ever have to walk through or especially not so young. I thought that wisdom coming out of you was so incredible. Um, Was that difficult? Was that something you guys talked through to go, hey, you know, I'm not going to compare you to Lindsay. I'm not going to, you know, hold you accountable for her strengths or weaknesses. Or was that just something that came natural to you guys? It was, it took a lot of communication because remarriage, I think remarriage in any situation brings a whole new set of challenges and and, uh, and things you have to talk through, but communication, it really is everything. And so we came into it not mad at our, our, at our spouses you know, before. It was we honored and we still loved uh, you know, our spouses that we were married to before. However, we didn't, we didn't want to waste the life that God had given us. Mm-hmm. And we felt that together we could really be good stewards of what God had given us as far mm-hmm. as our life and our time. And so it was, it was let's stay let's stay in constant communication about did I hurt your feelings or did this bring up a tender moment uh, or tender memory and constantly having heart checks on where everybody was. So much more, uh, you know, there's so many triggers when you go through grief um, that you have to look out for each other on. And so we had to do that. Um, But it was such a beautiful, it was completely different, but completely beautiful process of learning each other learning where the hurts are and how to, how to balance out the new love mm. and respecting uh, our, our lay spouses. Wow. I know you, she also mentioned, and I, I think you've mentioned it on your social media that you guys reference their mom or their dad in heaven. You, you know, you talk about Lindsay and Patrick are, do their names come up frequently in your house still? Absolutely. Yeah. All the time. And we, we encourage that. I mean, we want, you want their, their memory and their legacy to be preserved. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that God has called us together for a reason. However, we're not ever going to erase what brought us here and, and erase yeah. the, the ones that we loved and that loved us so well. And so we absolutely have, we have different picture books for the kids. They all have their special, you know, daddy and mommy books Aww. that they keep. And that's theirs. Uh, their little, their special, uh, uh, little, little thing they have in the little picture that they keep in their bed or on their nightstand. Um, and then they're, they're always encouraged to ask questions and we always bring things up to, to make them feel comfortable about, about speaking about that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so important for all of you in your journey of healing. Cause I know, uh, you know, grief comes in stages for different people and what 
your six-year-old might be experiencing, your seven-year-old might be over, you know, or vice versa. So I think that's so wise of you guys. We are trying our best. We're not getting it all right, but it's definitely a, it's an opportunity to point their hearts to heaven, Yeah. but not letting them lose sight of what they're here for. You know, one of the things we tell the kids is, you know, if you're still here, there's something that God still has for you on mm-hmm. earth. And when, when you're done, when God's, when you've done everything that God's called you to do, you will be in heaven. But wow. until then, don't lose sight of what God's called you to, but always look forward to heaven and, and, and your reunion with with everybody that you love, you know, Patrick and Lindsay and, and other people now that we've known and loved that are now in heaven. Wow. Um, so it's opened a whole new conversation that I think is really building in them something that's going to carry them through their life. Wow. That's so good. So I, you and Brittany both have so much advice and wisdom to offer anyone who's walking through losing a spouse um, and then maybe getting remarried. But as I was sitting here listening to you, I just kept thinking, I feel like you have so much wisdom and advice for the regular married couple. Yeah. The couple that is, you know, doing life and marriage is difficult and they're walking through it and they're not, you know, they're they're asking themselves, is this worth it? And I just kept thinking, here you, I'm sure both of your marriages, you know, there have been struggles and it hasn't been perfect, but you you speak of marriage so highly. And so my question is this. What would you say to any of us out there who are that regular married couple about marriage and the beauty of it and um, the treasure that it really is? Oh, my goodness. Uh, If there's one thing that I've learned, you know, through both marriages and totally different situations is what a gift it is to be loved and to love someone that God's called you to. I mean, this the value and the impact that that relationship have shapes the rest of your life. And there's nothing more important. So if you, if this is the most special earthly relationship that you'll have, that impacts you, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, and everyone around you mm-hmm. seek God in that relationship. If you're not on your knees before God crying out for his wisdom for his direction and just is just hearing his voice on how to love somebody, then then I don't think you're taking it seriously enough. I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've been guilty of that so many times of of kind of going with the flow. Just hey, this is awesome, but it's just natural. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you're not absolutely pouring your heart and soul and heart and soul into loving that person well, then then you're not. I don't think you're doing a full service. It's like getting a gift and not fully treasuring that gift. Mm-hmm. And so I think the best stages of our marriage uh, has been when I found myself on my knees before God saying, God, lead me. I'm called to lead this woman and these kids, and I cannot do it on my own. Please help me treasure them, uh, to place them as a priority over my own needs and my own wants, and to lead them with absolute love and tenderness and and wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would say that to young couples, you know, married couples for a long time just seek god and ask for his blessing and his wisdom on those on your marriage and uh and i think in those times you will absolutely see god move in the love between your spouse and the way that your your even your children see that relationship hmm. i love what you said get on your knees and ask god how do i love this person hmm. yeah. sometimes it's hard to see through that 
how do I love? Because I think often we love someone the way that we think they want to be loved or we should show them love. And sometimes God's idea of us loving someone is very different than what we think. Yeah. You know, and the Bible tells us over and over and over again, ask, ask, ask. And so that is such good advice. I would say to anyone who's listening, who's maybe struggling in their marriage is get on your knees and ask God, how do I love this person? That's incredible, Daniel. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lesson hard learned. I'm stubborn. <laughs> I, I, I want to, I want to sleep in. I want to, you know, do my own thing, but, but putting that as a priority first thing in the morning, uh, I've seen my biggest breakthroughs you know, when I get up early, you know, before the kids, before that one kid that gets up at six o'clock, <laughs> I get up at five thirty. So if it takes five thirty, let me do that. Wow. And, and seeing that and seeing that, just giving that time to God, mm-hmm. uh, it's absolutely shown in our entire family. And I'm so thankful that, uh, sometimes it gets a hold of my heart and I can get past my, my laziness of sleeping in or whatever it is, mm. uh, and give that time to God first and foremost and see him work in my yeah. family. Yeah. You know, Daniel, I could, I could imagine that there could be people around you that maybe struggle with jealousy, seeing that God has given you not just one gorgeous wife and beautiful children, but now a second gorgeous wife and beautiful children. And they could look in and go, you know, God, I feel like I'm being overlooked. But what I'm hearing from you, Daniel, is your faithfulness, your long suffering. You know, you pursued Lindsay from the age of 15 all the way until 23 when you got to marry her. And then you were by her side through tragedy and illness. And then now with with Brittany and your five children and, and walking them through suffering and grief. And what I'm hearing come out of you is your faithfulness to Jesus, your determination to be right in front of the Father's face. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, God, look at me. Like, look at me because I want to look at you. And I think, I think Daniel, that's why God is blessing you um, so fully. Yes, you've walked through extreme tragedy, but I think that's why God's face is on you is because you have been, from my small understanding of your story, you have been so faithful to him. And that's why you're seeing the favor of God on you and on Brittany and why it was on you and Lindsay and your children. And um, so I just, if there's any encouragement for you in this hour, it is that you're doing a good job. You are loving your wife and your kids the way Jesus has called you to do it. And, you know, that's not every guy's story. So I, I think that the um, level of influence that you and Brittany have is massive because there are a lot of people watching. And the thing I've noticed about both of you, not just Brittany, um, you know, but both of you is that you guys are constantly pointing people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that is why he allowed you both to walk through the stories you've walked through. Mm-hmm. It's because he knew you would use it to put eyes on him and point people to heaven. And that's so huge. It is absolutely the only thing. The reason we point people to Jesus is because we have found that He is our only hope. All everything that we've gone through, what has carried us through, has been our not just our faith, but our relationship with Jesus and allowing Him to be our hope and what has carried us through the absolute worst days of our life and continues to carry us through. And so that's what that's nothing we did personally. It's nothing that we could accomplish on our own that could explain uh, the way our lives have turned out. But God and the hope we found in him has absolutely transformed our life and our grief from something that has absolutely wrecked us 
to the point where we are, we are celebrating God's goodness. And so we always want to point every heart we can to him. Wow. That's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and for being so vulnerable and letting us have a little peek into your world. That was a beautiful, beautiful story. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much uh, for what you do and for how you encourage people so much. So so thank y'all for the example y'all set. Oh, Heidi, goodness. What What an incredible testimony of God's love and faithfulness to us yeah. and just the way he walked through that when he was talking about being in the, the hospital room mm. and having coming down to take her. I just, I could feel the presence of God yeah. as he was saying that. Yeah. And, you know, it made me think of how we get so worked up about yeah. little things here on earth. Yeah. And yet we have this eternity in front of us, yeah. this heaven, this, this creator waiting yeah. to um, have us home someday. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, that really struck me. It did me too, Heather. I think, um, so when we do a phone interview, we try to be cautious not to give a lot of verbal feedback while they're speaking yeah. because it can tend to cut out on their end. But as he was telling the story, I felt just this like awe and this silence come over me yeah. of this, it, this is holy ground yeah, it was. that we're on. Yeah. And, you know, I thought of Moses when... God showed up to him in the bush that it was on fire, but not burning up. Mm -hmm. And the voice says like, this is holy ground, Mm -hmm. like take off your sandals. And I remember just as he was speaking, thinking this feels like that Mm -hmm. in this moment. Yes. And I wasn't surprised at all to hear him say, all I could do was raise my hands and worship because I felt like here in this recording studio with this microphone, I was thinking, I I could just worship Mm -hmm. God right now. Yeah. And so I think for anyone listening if you're walking through extreme tragedy and grief, know that if your eyes are on Jesus and if you're letting him, your story is going to bring something beautiful. Mm-hmm. God promises that he'll bring beauty out of ashes, mm-hmm. that what the enemy means for evil, God uses for good. Yeah. And I think someone could be listening and go, it just seems so unfair that he had to walk through, you know, he pursued Lindsay so diligently mm-hmm. and then he had to walk through losing her. Why would a just God do that? But that you know that's part of this broken world mm-hmm. is is sickness and illness and god did heal her mm-hmm. it just wasn't on this side right. of oh, heaven right. mm-hmm. and so i just think his um willingness to share his story and then also his awareness to reach out to other men around him yeah, it's incredible unbelievable yeah i love that he was open enough with the lord to to share why God to ask those hard questions, but then to listen, Yeah, you know, because so often we ask the question, but then we don't stop to listen, but he was listening and he heard, and and he asked that question, what? And he was able to have God give him that answer, you know, to lead him to that place, which then led him to Brittany, which is so beautiful. And the thing I love about both of them, just having gotten to know each one of them just a little bit is they're so genuine. Yes. This is not put on. Mm -hmm. They truly want every part of their lives mm-hmm. as individuals and as a couple and as a family to point people to Jesus because yeah. that truly is the only, the only answer yeah. um, in this world. And I was thinking, you know, there might be someone who is, isn't walking through extreme grief, tragedy, like Daniel or Brittany had to walk through, but they might be walking through something that feels very difficult right? and it's still the same. That's the right. answer is still the same. It's still worship. Yeah. Put your hands up and worship. Yeah. And I find myself Today, I found myself being very 
downcast and just heavy. And we got in our car to go somewhere and I turned on some worship music and I just started singing at the top of my lungs Mm. and my kids were in the car and they're used to that because we just do that in this family. But instantly I felt as I worshiped, I felt a peace come over me. And so you might be walking through something that seems way less significant Mm -hmm. than Daniel's story, but the answer is still the same. That's right. Put your hands up and worship. Yeah. And if that's you and you don't know you don't know where to find worship music that would help lift you up, mm-hmm. message us. Yeah. We've got some resources we can shoot your way and some of our favorite songs right now. And the other thing, Heather, I thought was so important that Daniel said, and I want people to catch this, is he talked about the fact that he was able to recall God's promises and the truth of God's word yeah. because he had it in him before the storm hit. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that's so important yep. because when life, when tragedy hits, when heartache hits, when grief hits, the people that walk through it with a lot of beauty and a lot of grace yeah. and trusting Jesus yeah. are the ones that were diligent with him before mm-hmm. the tragedy you hit. have the foundation of faith. Yeah. I thought that was so important. So good. Well, thank you so much for listening. We would love it if you would go onto iTunes and leave us a review and maybe five stars. Um, That is like a gift to us. I know you hear us say that and you probably think, oh, it doesn't matter if I do it, but it does matter Mm -hmm. if you, if you do it. And it's just to help this show get more traction, get noticed. That's right. You know? And so we would love it if you would do that and shoot us a message on Instagram and tell us, what stood out to you, what you're loving about the show, about our guests, what, what God's spoken to you through this. Cause the point of this show is also to point people to Jesus. Always. And so we want to know what has impacted you yeah. and pointed you to Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. And we will chat with you next time.